Broadcasting live from the Orlando, Orange County Convention Center for Hymns 17. It's This Just In. Now, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Welcome to the special edition of This Just In of Hymns Radio. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. We'll be broadcasting live from the HIMSS 17 annual conference inside the beautiful Orlando County Convention Center. Let me also introduce my radio and on-air producer, Ryan McPherson. Hello, Justin. How you doing, my friend? It's great to have you back on the air. That's right. We're year number two for This Just In at HIMSS uh, here in Orlando. That's right. It's great. Uh, we have a great partnership, and uh, you're one of the best producers in the industry, so I appreciate your time, my friend. You're too kind. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and many thanks to everyone who's joined us already here in person, and certainly to everyone listening via the Business Radio X and the Healthcare Now radio networks. We have the industry's most sought-after CEOs, CIOs, care providers, policy leaders, visionaries, and you can find them all here on our show. Um, but our goal is to really bring you the latest in healthcare innovation, strategy, policy, entrepreneurialism, and surely best practices, as well as strategies to successfully navigate the future of healthcare, your physician practice, your company, or even your family through all these changes occurring across healthcare today. There is more opportunity than ever before for all of us to thrive, but we must really understand how healthcare is evolving, how policy and reimbursement is shifting, and where best practices and innovation can support our efforts. Just rolling right along here, aren't we, Justin? <laughs> we are. Returning guest once again. My good friend. Needs no introduction at Justin. all. Justin. <laughs> we are ready to dance. Are you ready to dance? I am, my friend. How are you doing? Oh, you're looking good, man. You're tan. Same. You're ready for hymns, Orlando. I am. I am. I don't wow. know where I got a tan from. Someone said that the other day. They was like, oh, my gosh, you look great. You're all tan. I'm like, I have no idea. I've been in an office for like the last month. You I have no idea. You surround yourself with the Indian brothers and sisters. <laughs> Actually, and we I naturally yeah. <laughs> extend our colors so that you're part of the family. There you go. And I appreciate that greatly, my friend. So what have you been up to? <laughs> well, I, I wear three hats. I know. And on the public policy side, I am really excited about a few initiatives. On the technical side of public policy, the Argonaut Project has mm-hmm. done a phenomenal job getting people uh, to work together to get a first-generation Yeah, John generation plugged standard. you pretty well walking well, out. And, and John's the guru <laughs> yeah. that we all worship that right. brings us together. On the consumer data access side, I've joined uh, Reunited with David Brailer and David Blumenthal Excellent. and Governor Levitt in sure. the Karen Alliance. So we're trying to make the consumer access to data easier and thinking about a trust framework. Uh, I've got a company, Nav Health, oh, yes. which is uh, growing. We're up yep. to 18 ACOs that we're supporting with open That's data. Excellent. And uh, I do my best to try to find other places in the ecosystem where we had leverage. Mm-hmm. A little bit of activity should open up more data, reduce friction, and make it easier for us to communicate. Awesome stuff. You always are involved in exciting business, man. Well, we're having fun. We have, we have a lot to do to bend the cost curve. I totally to agree. Deliver. I mean, amidst this political you know, scenario about the future of healthcare, the one bipartisan... I thought you could say political theater. <laughs> well, it could be political theater. The one bipartisan thread is that care delivery reform yes. will continue. Totally agree. And yep. we want patients to be able to access and use their data however they wish. Very true. I feel like those statements are bedrock yep. and yep. we can build around that. I, I couldn't agree more. So building on that, what do you see as healthcare or health IT trends or opportunities out there for entrepreneurs or just for healthcare in general? Use 
the use of data. I feel like the last several mm, years, yeah. so much of this has been about, I can get you the data. Right. And it's an acquisition, normalization, you know, kind of muscle. And people are like, that's interesting. But now I, I get this alert. What am I supposed to do? It reminds me of cybersecurity. When I was in the government, right. we had a lot of compliance work on cybersecurity. And we shifted to continuous monitoring of the network. And then people realized, wait a minute, I'm getting all these alerts. Right. There's potentially bad traffic on the network. Are we supposed to do something? And if so, what? Right. I think people are really focused in 2017 and 18 on the use of the data, assuming that it's going to be a commodity to access and you know, being able to access and put it to use. Uh, you can spend your energy on how you would use it as opposed to getting it. No, fantastic point. So how would you recommend um, someone address, I mean, obviously you guys are, you're knee, knee deep in this. So how do you guys address this a little bit from your personal perspective? Well, so I think there's a 90% of the challenge right now is myth busting. Mm -hmm. There is a sense that we cannot do healthcare in a simpler, easier, open way. That somehow we have to have DURSA agreements and patients have to sign BAAs and all kinds of overhead and bureaucracy where if we right. focus on kind of busting these myths that you don't have to, we can do the, the work that needs to be done, which is to make sure care is coordinated mm -hmm. and, and providers and patients can work together as a team to get the, the better outcome. So my, you know, my, my hope and ambition is that we're going to spend a lot of time this year busting myths as much as advancing okay. fancy new uh, technologies. Although right. I will say the vendors have done a phenomenal job embracing the Fire API Argonaut project specification, which should simplify folks to use it as opposed to worrying about the detail as to how it was built in the first place. Right. You don't have to have a PhD in fire physics to take advantage of these new capabilities. So true. So uh, building on that, what do you see as some of the big innovations that we will, we're going to succeed with in 2017, maybe early 2018? What do you see coming? That's a tough one because the place that I'm focusing my energy mm -hmm. is on the front lines sure. of care delivery. That's so the organizations who are thinking about ways to improve communication. I made a comment. Uh, 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 my friend is at Politico. He has a podcast not unlike this one. <laughs> and I sort of said, you know, Slack for doctors would be a phenomenal resource across organizations yep. caring for a common patient. And I said that kind of, you know, kind of a glib comment about what's cool and hip in Silicon Valley, but I meant that in the spirit of today in 2017, an, an accountable care organization that actually does want to leverage the FIRE APIs yeah. can in fact assemble the information necessary across their care team so that every touch point is as intelligent and aware of who you are as, uh, as, the, as the previous one. I'm, I'm looking at uh, Dr. Steven Stein, who is uh, uh, running post-acute care for Trinity Health, and he's got this phenomenal brand. It's like going into the old uh, bar Cheers, yeah. where everyone knows your name. <laughs> so he's gonna be, he got an innovation award from, his, uh, from Rick Gilfillan, the guru yeah, of sure. uh, healthcare reform yeah. uh, at Trinity. And they're actually gonna be experimenting with the idea that what happens if you called 911, went to your primary care doctor, went to the emergency room, and everyone knew your name, right. and knew a basic amount of information about you so that everyone was on the same page. That's a 2017 vision mm -hmm. that I will be celebrating and championing from every corner of the planet uh, if we can make that a reality. 
So what are some best practices to make that a reality? How do you, or, and how does the average person or the average organization, and I know it's difficult, it's a hard question, but well, how do people begin that process? Uh, three comments. Okay. Number one, clarity of vision. Very so true. being able to say, this is the way I want care delivered is critical. I think most of us are siloed, so we're like, well, when they come to the ER, I want to be able to query and learn things. Well, that's interesting. But what if we had this precursor that actually organized it for us in advance? So I think vision is key. Number, and, and I think in healthcare reform, we're going to see many organizations compete with different versions of that vision, and that's great. We should have a thousand visions tested and see what happens. Number two, standards, not custom. Mm -hmm. Where feasible to realize the vision, ride open standards. And now that we have the Fire API Argonaut project to get clinical data out, default to open standards when thinking about accessing data and organizing it. And third, uh, I'm a huge believer in Smart on Fire and the whole concept of an app store for healthcare. Right. Let all the unique things that you need to do in workflow, patient-facing, provider-facing, et cetera, essentially be apps that are built on top of what you've organized in steps one and two. And if you do that, we should have a relatively accessible path for breakthrough ideas to have a chance to, to see the light of day and help patients in markets all over the country. No, I completely agree. So what are your... Where do you disagree? Let's fight. <laughs> well, we're, we're very much aligned. I think we realized that a long time that ago. That is true. On the Hill and, and, and so forth. But we can so. have fake news and have a <laughs> fake fight. Let's, let's go. <laughs> I'm not good at that. All right, I'm too good. transparent. I'm too honest. Let's I'm, stay positive and focused. Exactly. That's my, that's my life, actually. Good. Um, so now talking about that, being positive and honest, what do you want? What's your goal for attending HIMSS? I always like to hear why people come. To me, the most powerful part of HIMSS is the convening power of HIMSS. Around the table, as big as this particular table is, are providers who are looking to shape that vision. They're vendors who are enabling mm -hmm. it. Uh, policymakers who have a point of view as to where they want this to go, uh, policymakers from the perspective of data, policymakers from perspective of uh, payment models, payer community. So where else can you have a microcosm of the country's healthcare system talking the same language? So actually one of the things that I'm proud of here at HIMSS, HIMSS volunteered to offer a meeting space. It's Tuesday from 2.30 to 4.30 for any of you that can make it. Uh, to allow us to have a roundtable discussion about the open APIs, the Argonaut project, and how everyone can come together, learn from early adopters, raise questions, learn what's now, what's next, and what's missing. So HIMSS is a powerful venue for convening, and I applaud it. Now, mm -hmm, I, I I, I've been following on yep. Twitter. Yep. A Andy had some comments about our industry, you know, celebrating a bit too much because we have a lot more work to do. Yeah. And I think that that humility is the kind of the theme everyone in the room should carry. Uh, we do have a if lot of work If you've been in healthcare IT, you should have humility. <laughs> there is a great, exactly. <laughs> Goodness gracious, there, there, there is no yeah. spiking the football at no. the goal line here. We've no. got more work to do. But a lot, yeah. if you have that mindset, uh, yeah. coming around the table as we are uh, at HIMSS will, will help it accelerate some of this change. Okay, so let's talk about something controversial. Yes. Who are the data blockers out there? Why do we have data blocking? So data blocking to me is a function of three things. Okay. Ignorance. Okay. That is to say, I didn't know I could get you the data, and if so, how? Uh, I disagree. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fake news. Let's fight. So I, I think there is a lot. And this comes up a yeah. lot in the patient data access yeah, issue I, I, because yeah. they're like, I want my data in electronic format. Well, I can't. You know, pre-HIPAA, I can't yes, get to you. Yes, I get that so a lot. So there's a little bit of that mis misnomer. Yep. I do think there are legitimate businesses whose business plans, and I mean providers and EHR vendors and health IT app developers, mm -hmm. where businesses were built on, I'm going to have 
unique assets around someone's data. So true. And I will monetize that to fund some other good. Mm -hmm. And I remember this in the uh, late uh, 90s, early 2000s. I was at the advisory board company writing research studies and before I went into government. And this concept of network leakage, which we're seeing now all over the place in this uh, discussion about where we are in accountable care, that was still a business case for why people were building integrated uh, electronic health record systems mm -hmm. before meaningful use. It was, hey, we have a network. A lot of our patients are going out of the network. Let's offer them a single place to get their records stored as an incentive to get them to remain loyal to the institution. So it was in the DNA of provider business plans for investing in EHRs before we had this larger mission. And I get that. And I think we're having the same issue in the, uh, now that there are people that are organizing medical records mm -hmm. in a way for, for better care. I, I, I'd love to see that be more open and transparent. And so we could spend more money on using the data and less on acquiring the data. But let's, let's see how all this unfolds. No baby steps. So one more thing controversial. Yeah. Are you gonna go back into politics? So I did Ambitions. run for, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm very passionate about okay. it. I ran for Lieutenant Governor mm -hmm. of Virginia because mm -hmm. I think states are going to be at the epicenter of and this activity. And you were activity. the CIO, CTO? CTO, for, yeah. Uh, Virginia. Virginia yeah. was one of the first, in fact, the first state in the union yep. that has a, a cabinet level position That's called right. Secretary of Technology. And it was really a collaboration position. What I, year I worked, was that, by the way? This is uh, in 1999, the Republican governor of Virginia, Jim Gilmore, stood mm -hmm. up this program. And uh, Governor Warner, my mentor, carried it forward. Mark, right. Yep. And then uh, Senator Tim Kaine, my boss, mm -hmm. and my other mentor, uh, is the one who hired me directly. So I have a deep passion for it. I think given where we are with the Trump administration, my thesis that states are going to be the drivers of this change mm -hmm. only accelerates. So I hope to remain involved. I, I serve on the Governor's Council on Virginia's Future, where we're trying to usher in more open data activities. And so I will always be involved in public policy, whether it's as a member of the community or more right. formally. And it's, uh, it's exciting. It's our, it's, it, I got the exciting. bug, man. I'm yeah. sorry. I oh, yeah, no. And you also, you were the first U.S. CTO, correct? That's correct. I, yeah. President Obama asked me to serve in that role. And it was mirrored heavily on what we had done in Virginia. Yes. He had the foresight to say, I want a, an advisor in the White House reporting to me across a whole range of issues, not just narrowly defined tech issues. Right. So how does it affect health care and energy and education central to the work that I was able to do for the president. Yep. Excellent. Anish Chopra, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you Justin, on air. Justin, thank you for having me. Let's solve all of our challenges this year. And make, <laughs> let's make healthcare great again. Thank <laughs> I you, love that. Let's make healthcare great again. Okay. Anish Chopra, thank you, my friend. And my next oh my guest, goodness. exactly, <laughs> needs no introduction at all, Dr. John Halamka, one of our most prolific CIOs, experts on interoperability, health policy, and much more. And welcome back to the show, John. Thank you. Always happy to be here. Thanks. <laughs> You're wonderful and terrific. So certainly, um, we always need you as a lead-off guest because we really want a level set on trends that are occurring in healthcare or health IT, but also, what do you see as opportunities in this industry? Where can, you know, for 2017 or maybe even 2018, what are your thoughts? Right, so the last five years was really moving healthcare to a digital realm, right? So every other industry, long been digital, healthcare largely a sea of paper. Well, now that it's digital, what do you do with it? And so maybe last year was, oh, we've got the digital and share it, but now it's turn it from data into wisdom. What is population healthcare management, analytics, 
every booth I walk to yeah. has a care management population health analytics solution, and all of them are different. Right. So that's the really interesting question. Will it be machine learning? Will it be unique visualizations? What is it will enable wellness in the home if value-based purchasing and pay for quality is the guiding principle of the next few years? No, nope, that's fantastic. So how are you personally addressing or would recommend how other people address that? Well, figure out what it is you want to accomplish. I guess it was right. that famous philosopher, Yogi Berra, <laughs> <laughs> right? who told us, if you don't know where you're going, you'll get somewhere else. Very true. Uh, yes, yeah, that's and so the challenge in Boston, I have a billion and a half dollars mm -hmm. of what I'll call risk-based or alternative payment contracts. They're all paying for outcomes. So really our issue is, how do I keep you healthy in your home? Right. What are the tools and technologies I need to do that? So example, suppose that you have congestive heart failure. It's actually much cheaper for me to buy you an electronic bathroom scale and right. monitor your weight than to see you in the emergency department. Total twist on the kind of IT solutions we used to have. Very true. We don't actually need a bigger, bolder EHR. What we need is Internet of Things, patient-generated healthcare data, care managers, care plans, and visiting home nurses with ambulatory capacity, not inpatient capacity. Right? So that's the thinking. Yep. Turn healthcare from the downtown academic ICU tower to the connected patient in their home surrounded by carers of all appropriate kinds. No, that's that's brilliant. So, what are a couple of examples, or and, and, and not to jump too far ahead, but I certainly want to get to the best practices. But what are a couple of things that you're working on there um, with Beth Israel? All right. So, recognize that it used to be that we had ooh, laptops, desktops; those were the form factor. Who uses a des desktop or laptop for anything today? Right, right. Mobile is what doctors, patients, nurses, families, everybody wants. So we have a whole constellation of mobile apps that we've credentialed. And we've built the application program interfaces so those mobile apps can hook into our EHR. So think of the EHR as a regulatory and compliance-driven <laughs> transactional system mm -hmm. that's not the coolest and best thing that a patient is going to want to have on their phone necessarily. Right. There's going to be 26-year-olds who create the brilliant app, but it only is as good as the data it can get. So we've created a crowdsourcing program. We will curate apps authored by individuals in the community and give them access to our data when we judge them appropriately secure and safe. Okay. And we've done that about a dozen times. And so this means patients and families now have a dashboard as to their loved one's progress in the ICU. Doctors have the ability to view all images of all modalities on their phones. And interesting from a security perspective, mm -hmm. Doctors and nurses now use their phones to take clinical photography, and the photographs are immediately deleted from your phone. Think of it as a Snapchat-like experience because they're uploaded to the electronic health record and don't go to the iCloud. Those are just some examples of mobilization and interoperability at Beth Israel Deaconess. That's excellent and fabulous. So tell us a little bit about um, some best practices and trends or strategies that you got, that you can offer to help other organizations navigate. You've given a little bit of it, but can, you know, maybe a couple more that you can give. Right. So today, doctors are suffering from the burden of data entry. 50% of doctors want to quit. Right. You need to focus on regaining the joy in medical practice so true. and enabling every member of the team to practice at the top of their license. So what does that mean? 
we often use the term social media. Who knows exactly what social media is? But if you think of the electronic health record as really a different kind of social media where a doctor, a nurse, a patient, a family member, a social worker, all are contributing to that data entry burden, you reduce the individual administrative burden on a doctor. So we're piloting what I'm gonna call the Facebook approach to giving each patient a wall where multiple contributors are entering the necessary data and freeing up clinician time. So think about how can you use either your EHR or adjunctive products and services to empower that. Our accountable care organization is responsible for the data aggregations across the community, their lifetime medical record, and analyzing gaps in care. Figuring out who's going to be sick through risk adjustment methods a year from now. Because nice. they're already sick, too late. Right, it's true. And, yeah. and hence, uh, keeping patients with the services they need to avoid becoming a high-cost utilizer. So as you walk the HIMSS floor, you know, ask that question. What group wears social solutions? Mm -hmm. What mobile solutions? What population health care managed solutions? What cloud solutions as you, are you seeing? And how do you keep it all secure? No, that's, that's excellent advice. I have not heard that perspective, John. So I, you know, I appreciate it. So where do you head off to now? So my day at HIMSS, I'm sure it's like everybody else's, yeah. 50,000 of my closest friends. Yes. And so I change venues about every 30 minutes. Yeah. So one of the more unusual things that I'm doing this afternoon is running a tea ceremony in one of the booths here. And okay. as an American, I, of course, am not Japanese, but I have been to Japan 31 times. Oh, my goodness. So I will be the cultural interpreter bridging the hymns audience to a traditional Japanese tea ceremony. John, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's terrific. So real quick, in, in, in closing, what do you, what innovation, and you may have already gone through it, but what innovation do you expect to see in the industry or advancement over the next year or two that is kind of to keep our eye on? So you will probably hear from your next speaker, I am guessing, mm -hmm. about the work we're doing to truly open up electronic health record databases using fire. Okay. Now be careful because in a Gartner hype curve, there's always the irrational expectations and the trough of disillusionment. Very true. But the idea with fire, pretty straightforward. The EHR vendors will innovate great, but we want an ecosystem of innovation. Think of it as the iPhone and the apps. Yep. Just as the iPhone has SDKs, the EHR has fire. So watch the developments around the opening up of EHRs with fire. You'll hear probably from multiple people on your show today about that. <laughs> how far, so how many institutions exchange fire today? So you'll see, I mean, Beth Israel Deaconess has yep. been doing it as an early adopter, but yep. each of the major EHR vendors now Our has production running fire code. Excellent. So really, I mean, it's not flying cars. Right, yep. It's 2017 early, yep. early adopters, right. but That's it's great. running and it's real. Fantastic. John, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know you have a busy schedule always at Hims. It's a pleasure to have you on air every year. So thank you so much, my Absolutely. friend. Absolutely. Right, See you next great... year. You will, my friend. Thank you. Take care. Dr. John Halamka, thank you. So Howard, first yes. of all, thank you again. Um, Howard always hosts a, um, a, a, uh, a good event the night before we all come on to him. So thank you very much. Met some amazing people uh, yesterday. Well, so perhaps him's greatest value is that it draws so many terrific people. And though we always get together with a small group of them, uh, the fact is we're here because of 
the opportunity to meet and to spend three or four days intensively exploring new topics and new opportunities, that dinner is just one small and, and enjoyable part of it. It is. So I've worked with you for a long time. You helped us back in the early days of Greenway when you were with Blank Rome before you went off on your own. Mm -hmm. um, but just tell my audience a little bit about what you do uh, in for health care. You're one of the, you know, seriously preeminent lawyers and certainly in health IT and healthcare in general. But what do you, so tell me, what do you focus on? Well, first, I don't want to dissuade you of that notion at all. <laughs> I build healthcare businesses. I work with people who have ideas yeah. or have developed solutions and we create the companies they need to affect those solutions. So I bring to bear now almost three full decades. There you go. Yeah, I, I look every bit of it as well. Um, <laughs> three decades of understanding the context of healthcare, reimbursement, uh, the regulatory schemes, mm -hmm. uh, the evolution of our healthcare system, intellectual property, uh, contracts. And contracts really are nothing other than documents about relationships. So it's how do vendors work with users, how do different vendors relate to each other, and, and protect so themselves. We, and, yeah. and protect themselves, yeah. and how do we create the transactions and find the money, frankly, yeah, the investment to make those ideas into realities. And so that's what I do on a daily basis. I'm incredibly lucky. Uh, I, I go to work every morning, and since I work alone, I look in the mirror and say, wow, I'm having fun. I get to do this for a living. And uh, it makes a huge difference. I integrate with my clients and they uh, uh, accept me mm -hmm. in and we work together and make each other better every day. Yep. And you have a phenomenal network as well. So that's what, one thing too. So you can certainly accelerate businesses and help navigate businesses through their opportunity because of your relationship, your contacts. And well, there are, there are really two ways. If you don't mind my talking about please. two ways that that's relevant. Yeah. Uh, first is through HIMSS and our extensive yeah. networks. Really, you or I, but we're talking about me. Uh, <laughs> we are. We are. I'm a phone call away. Yeah. Maybe not directly so to any person. Yeah. But I'm one person away from just yeah. about anybody in healthcare yeah. in the United States. I agree. That's incredibly valuable yeah. to a company that's attempting to grow. Yep. Doesn't mean they're always going to get a yes, but they're always going to get an answer. And that's, that's really important. The second way I think it's valuable to have that network is every company, but especially emerging businesses, need to have the capital to grow. Mm -hmm. And we help, or I help, these companies identify the appropriate sources of capital. Is it debt? Is, is it venture capital? Is it strategic? Which funds should they accept? Which boards are the ones that will help most effectively? So you, companies should take money from not just anybody who's willing to give it, but from those funds or those strategic companies, those strategic investors who can help them achieve their goals. And when we follow that, uh, that process, mm -hmm. looking for complementary investments, yeah. uh, looking for the right stage of a fund. I mean, if the fund is selling all its current investments, then chances are you want to go somewhere where they've just raised a new fund and they're looking to invest. Things like that go into the decisions about which investors to approach, how to structure the investment, and how to use that investment, that money, to build the company to its founders and to its investors' goals. No, and that's actually, that one aspect right there can be the difference. A, taking money when you should take money, not taking money, taking the right money. Yes. I mean, it, money's expensive. 
And so there's different levels that you should take, different amounts. Um, so it's a very strategic conversation that you need to make and you need to have with the right people. So hopefully I can accomplish that. And uh, you know, usually we can. Um, doesn't mean every penny is at the price we want. Right. Nevertheless, I help create opportunities for my clients to have those discussions and uh, frequently we are successful. Yeah. Well, you're always an asset to me. I appreciate everything you do in this industry. I know Hims appreciates everything you do in the industry. Um, thank you for joining me on air today, my friend. Uh, and we will certainly have you back. You're a great guest, uh, a brilliant mind to collaborate with, and I, I appreciate everything you do. Well, likewise, I absolutely feel the same way. I think uh, Health Now Radio and, and this Justin uh, is, is a great asset for Hims and, and for our industry. And uh, look forward. We'll. Uh, as I told my clients, you know, we'll make great mischief together. There you go. Well, and right. actually, next year's going to be even more fun. I think, not to let the cat out of the bag, but I think we're going to do some TV next year. We're going to do a live television But I have show. a face for radio. <laughs> no, All you right. don't. All right. Thank you very much, Howard. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Justin. Howard Bird. Thank you, everybody. Take care. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. And please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so you can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content's always posted on my website at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.